I want to open to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Because it is a prayer service, we want to give time for prayer. So I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 13, starting at verse 8. The emphasis, the thing I wanted to focus on very quickly is let our hearts be established with grace. And then in that attitude, let us go outside of the camp where Jesus is and meet with him there. This is Hebrews chapter 13, starting at verse 8, reading down. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. The Jews back in the day, they had a priestly service. And in this service, they had many rules. They had very many regulations, laws that they had to follow, things that they had to conduct every single day. And these rules that they had, they concerned everything, the type of clothes you wore, the type of fabric it was, the way you would address yourself on the Sabbath, the way you would talk to people, the way you treated your neighbor, the foods you could eat. And here, the author of Hebrews says, these things did not profit them. And see, we see this in reality because the Jews, when they had finally received the Messiah, the final sacrifice, what did they do? They killed him outside the camp. They did not realize what they were doing. God had already planned this by his sovereign hand. Just like the priests would take this sacrifice for sin and burn it outside of the camp, they had done the same exact thing to their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they had no idea that they had done that. And so all of these rules that they had followed, all of these various and strange doctrines that they had, you could say, profited them not. And so for us to live as Christians, we must always be established by grace, not following various doctrines and traditions. Why do I say this? When we come before the Lord and we come before Him with an attitude of, I must come before Him and I must follow these rules and I must do it in exactly this way and this is the way it's been done and this is the tradition and this is how it's been handed down, I must be very careful because that's what the Jews did. The Jews followed the law to a point, but when it came to the principal thing, Jesus Christ, they missed it completely. They missed it completely. In the Bible it says, let no one judge you regarding a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. The substance is Christ. Why is Christ the substance? Because you and I are never going to follow all the rules completely anyway. You and I cannot perfectly follow this 
law that has been passed down. You and I are cursed because we cannot follow this law. And if we can remember that we serve God by grace, we come before Him not of our own righteousness, but through the righteousness that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. When I say, Lord, I come to You by Your righteousness, then I will meet with Jesus outside of the camp. Just like Jesus separated from Jerusalem and died outside of the camp, we too will separate from the world and meet Jesus outside of the camp. It says, go to Him. It says, let us go to Him who is outside the camp, bearing His reproach, bearing His shame, bearing the tribulation, the sufferings that come with being a Christian, the embarrassment that comes with being a Christian to the outside world, the shame, the reproach, the reviling that comes with being a Christian. When we suffer with Christ, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory rests on us, the Bible says. When we are willing to serve the Lord in grace and to meet with Him and to take His cross and our own cross upon ourselves, then the Spirit of glory, the Spirit of God abides on us. Be careful that it is done with the heart of grace. Be careful that when you worship the Lord, you do it with this attitude of, Father, it is by your mercy that I am saved. I am not worthy. I did not come to this youth service and deserve something for coming here. The only thing we truly deserve is punishment. If God gave us what we deserved, it would be punishment. I am not deserving of anything less than punishment. But by God's grace, it is by God's mercy that you and I stand here. It is by God's mercy that I serve. I am not blessed or anointed or receive something from God for doing this. I do not receive some extra anointing or promises upon myself for serving the Lord. I do not receive any of that. I have the promise that all things are done for my good to make me more like Jesus Christ. That is the promise that every single Christian has. And if I tell myself that I must serve the Lord to receive a blessing, I will not love the Lord. I will treat the Lord like a businessman. I will treat the Lord as an I scratch your back, you scratch my back, and I will turn into those Pharisees that took Jesus Christ and stoned him outside the camp. They killed him outside the camp. But we are saved by grace. We do not have a righteousness of our own. We do not pretend to be something that we are not. We are Christians and we are filthy worms. We are wretches. And the Lord has saved us. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath, the Bible says. But we are now children of the living God. The faith that we have is not a faith that we made ourselves. It is a gift of God. And when we serve the Lord in grace and we meet Him outside of the camp and we bear His reproach, then the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory will be upon us. When I am willing to separate myself from the world and say, Lord, you are not ashamed to die outside of the camp for me. I will meet with you outside of the camp. The Lord will work through me. The Lord will use me. The Lord will be pleased 
to save me and to change me. When I say, Lord, I am willing to separate from the things I used to love because I want something greater, Lord. I know that you died for me. I am willing to die for you. I will meet with you outside the camp, Lord. God promises that the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God will rest upon me. And so, brothers and sisters, as we continue this service, let us remember, serve the Lord in grace. All of these rules, all of these laws, they only pointed to Jesus Christ. The Bible says the law is a tutor. It's an instructor to lead you to Jesus. Because when you see that you have failed and that only God has followed the law, you understand that he was that sacrifice. You are not worthy of it. When we follow this law and we obtain our own righteousness, we, like the Jews, will not profit. It does not profit us. But when we serve the Lord in grace and we come before the Lord in faith and we say, God, it is all in you. It is all that you do, my God. There is nothing that I can do apart from you. I will meet you outside of the camp. I will let go of everything. I will bear the reproach. I will bear this cross. Then the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God will rest upon us. So, let us please bow onto our knees. Let us kneel in prayer and thank the Lord for bearing the sin. Thank Him for dying outside of the camp. And let us ask the Lord to welcome us with Him outside of the camp. Continuing this prayer service, I'd like to share a thought before we go into the next prayer. This is uh, a thought from a sermon that I'm um, was preparing and preparing and this is something that um, surprised me you see um, when I was um, I don't know 12 14 I think from like 10 to 14 I read a lot of books and I'm not like I, that wasn't the only thing I did but I, I loved reading books the fun kind of books like I would choose my books and I would uh, the great illustrated classics it was it was for every page of reading you, you got, you had a page of like of a picture and there were always like cowboy stories and stuff. And so uh, whenever reading the book, I realized this, I don't know when, but I realized that I would always be looking for one word and that was the word suddenly. Any book that I was reading, I'm always reading and I'm, I'm, as I'm reading, I'm scanning ahead and I'm looking for the word suddenly because suddenly means something, suddenly means Something unexplained, something new is going to take place in the story, and it's going to be interesting for me. And so I would be reading like that, and uh, I would get some kind of thrill from reading the, the story plots, and, you know, suddenly this happened, or suddenly this person came in, or things like that. Uh, thinking about God, it seems like God never gets surprised. Never gets surprised. He's always, <laughs> he's always like, in control, but... Um, Interestingly, we as humans, we get surprised a lot. And it's, it, gets, um, it gets to the point like, uh, I, I just want to read this, not to take too much time. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 21, it says uh, the following words. And before I read these words, I just want you to listen to me just, just for 30 seconds. The background to these words is the people of Israel have gone out of Egypt 
And for the first couple of years when they got out of Egypt, Moses is leading them, doing all these miracles. They are the most rowdy, rebellious group of people on planet Earth at that time. There, was, there wasn't a nation, I believe, at that time that was more rebellious, that was more willing to stone their leader, Moses, that was, um, you know, we want bread. I mean, we want, yes, bread. They get bread. We want meat. They get meat. We want, um, and yes, they were going through hard times. I wouldn't just put everything, oh, you know, they were so rebellious and stuff. They were going through hard times, but um, they, they went through a lot in the first couple of years when they walked out of Egypt, and it seems like God is breaking them. God is teaching them. God is making them understand that he is enough for them, that he will give them everything that they need. And it takes a process. It takes, and, and if you look at the people 40 years into the wilderness, the new generation that came up and the first generation that came up, it's two different types of people. If you look at, you know, the time when Moses is dying, 40 years have gone by, the people are obedient. They're sacrificing to the Lord or the priests are and they're doing everything they have to. They've built, they've built the tabernacle of God there, no more, no more like, let's go kill Moses. No more of, let's build ourselves an idol. None of that stuff. They've, because they're looking at their parents. They're looking, I'm thinking, they're looking at their grandparents. They're like, we don't want that life. We don't want, you know, us to rebel against Moses and then, you know, 70,000 of us die from a plague. We don't want to just scream to God and say, give us meat, and then we eat the meat, and a plague takes, you know, a quarter, or not a quarter, but like a tenth of our population. We don't want that stuff. That was, that was gruesome stuff, and they lived through that. They're like, we don't want that. Now, that's my thought process, because it's a different type of people. But here, this uh, obedience nation, right? 40 years have gone by. When they walked out of the land of Egypt, they were, um, every, after every rebellion, there was another rebellion. After every problem, there was another problem. Now, there's no problems. It seems like the authority of Moses is set in stone, and Joshua is going to take command. And Moses speaks to the people of Israel, this obedient new generation that, you know, is sacrificing. No more idol worship. They're, they're more or less, not, I'm talking about massive stuff, no more massive idol worship, no more massive rebellions. And he speaks to them before he dies, and he says, I want to sh- tell you something. Well, God tells him to say that. He says, I'm going to write a song for you guys. This is my farewell song. And this song is going to tell you what you're going to do in the next generations in a short while. And basically half of this song speaks about them going back into idol worship, going back and rebelling against God, hating God, sacrificing their children to demons. This is the farewell song that Moses writes and then makes everyone in school at the, the Jewish schools of that time learn it. That's what God told them to do. He says make sure that everyone knows this song so that when they do do that, um, this song would be like, I told you so, in their face. You should have listened to God. You should have co- obeyed his commandments. And you know, that this, this was the interesting thing, because if you're, if you're reading, if you're just going uh, with a storyline in Deuteronomy, in Exodus, you're, you're saying, okay, the people of Israel have gotten so much better. There hasn't been a rebellion in such a long time. These guys are obedient. These families have learned their lesson. They don't want to walk away from God. They're, they understand that Moses is an authority. Joshua is an authority. Aaron is the priest. We need to serve God. They're willing to enter the very same land that their parents were not willing to enter because their parents were scared. Now they're willing. They've already fought some kings, and they're willing to go into Jericho. They're willing to to do whatever God tells them to do. They're willing to do that. And God looks at them and says, that's nice, 
But Moses, write for them a song. This is what they're going to do when you're going to be dead, when Joshua is going to be dead. And I'm, I just don't have time to read that song. But it, they say, it's, it, this song says some interesting stuff, some very, you know, straightforward, like, stuff that maybe the people of Israel would say, we would never do that. Come on, we've learned our lesson, right? That that was our parents. We, we know what that leads to. Before he writes this song and tells the people of Israel to learn it, this is what he says. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 21. Then it shall come about, when many evils and troubles have come upon them, that this song will testify before them as a witness. For it shall not be forgotten from the lips of their descendants. And listen to this. This is the part that uh, baffles me. I know their intent, God speaking to this seemingly obedient nation, I know their intent, which they are developing today, before I have brought them into the land which I swore. And we understand, like, yeah, of course, God sees the heart, God sees everything. But God looks at this nation who is seemingly pretty obedient now, and who it seems like has learned their lessons, and he says, I know the, listen, intent that is developing, literally that is uh, translated, the word developing translates as they are making in their hearts. Before I have brought them into the land which I swore. Meaning that God isn't surprised by the things that we do. He isn't. And, and the scary thing is, is when we are surprised when something happens. A lot of times we... Um, and I'm talking about, let's, let's talk about our lives. Let's just, I just want to get to the point before we get into prayer. Specifically our lives. I'd like we, us to pray about ourselves and ask, Lord, please lead us on the right path. If we're on the right path, help us stay on the right path. If we're on the wrong path, make sure we're on the right path and then lead us on that right path. But here's the thing. When, when you look at a person and you see the person um, is blessed, in ministry or in business, in his career, you, most of us, usually how it happens is you see the blessing, you see the money, you see the finances, you see the patents, you see the inventions, you see the, the stuff that they came up with, the formulas. You don't see the sacrifices. Because the sacrifices is usually what that person was going through, was giving up by himself in his study. Whether he is a theologian or a pastor or a scientist or uh, uh, whoever, a senator, uh, someone who owns a business, someone who teaches in a school. You, people see the results. People say, wow you, could, wow, you could really, you know, to a Sunday school teacher, teach the kids. How do you do that? Or what do you, how, how did you, and, but people don't see the sacrifices that the person put in. They, they don't see the, the prayers that these uh, Sunday school teachers are praying. And they don't see the time that um, is put into whatever it is that the person was putting in uh, the time in. And, and then same goes for sin. Usually, when a person sins, people see the sin, right? Especially if a person is godly. And, we're go and a lot of people go, how could that ever happen? How, how on earth could this person who is so close to God fall from grace? Well, I want to say something. It didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like the person woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm just going to fall from grace. I'm going to do my own thing in life. And then everyone's like, wow, wow, yes, that's, that's horrible. People stumble over it. I'm talking about Christianity. Usually that's not the case, right? 
And I'm just bringing this big example because most of us like know, you know, someone in America. There's a lot of big churches that have that has happened to them. Usually it's not like that. Usually there are, and this is what I believe, hundreds, listen, hundreds of compromises before this great fall. Usually before a great blessing, before someone sees, wow, this, look at you or look at them. Usually there's hundreds of prayers in the secret place, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? Isn't that what the Bible says? The Bible says pray in secret. Pray in your room where nobody sees, and you'll re be rewarded in the open. But that's not why we do these things. It just, that's just, it's like a law. It's like a formula that just always happens. These, and it goes for good or for bad, for blessing or for curse. People who fall, people who stumble, people who in their Christian walk. And I, I want to relate to us now. Talk about us. If, if, we're, if, we're, if we, we need to talk about us. If we're living our Christian walk, I would be extremely scared of the tiny compromises that we make. Extremely scared. Because they always accumulate. They always kind of build up. Weirdly, they just build up. And then you see these big things happen. And we, we say, we'll never do that. Why? Because it's me, right? Like, I know myself. I wouldn't do that. I know my friends, they wouldn't do that. But that, that's not how it works. That's never how it works. Nobody just wakes up in a, a, a beautiful Sunday morning or a Friday evening, just walks out of the house and says, I'm going to do this. Like wicked, evil thing that, you know, half the church starts talking about. Is that a question or is, just a, is that some end? Let's, 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 okay, you say No, let's go, let's go for the question. Yeah. That's good. That's good. One example, huge example, that uh, I was talking with, we were in a sauna with uh, the guys in our cell group, and um, Andre, he said this thing, and I was like, you know what? That is, that is uh, so true. He says, Satan is, um, he used to be the, the worship leader of God. It's no surprise that the music of this world is so catchy, so, so intricate. The melody is beautiful. The beats are perfect. It's catchy. Is it not catchy? Of course it's catchy. And if someone says it's not catchy, well, you know, be honest. It is catchy. Because Satan knows what he's doing. That's his deal. That's his thing. He used to do that professionally. That was his vocation, if you could say that way. But that's just, there's, there's so many things that we could go into. But uh, that's just one thing. I'm talking about um, things in our lives that, that make us sometimes um, surprised. And the surprise usually comes. Sometimes a person falls. And I'm talk, let's talk about personally. A person falls. You sin. You say, how could I do this? How on earth could I do this? Where, I, that's, this isn't me, right? And we start like bringing all these things. But listen, listen. All you have to do is just look back the, the last 20 days of your life and start to weed out, is, are, are there any compromises? And I promise you, I promise you, there will probably be a compromise. This isn't like a rule. Sometimes things happen like to Job where hell breaks loose and it's not his fault. But I'm talking about when, when sin happens in our lives. I would be very, 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 
very careful not to compromise. Not to compromise holiness. Not to compromise righteousness. Not to compromise following God's commands. Because people who uh, compromise, they end up sinning. And everyone goes, whoa, that's such a surprise to us. It's not really a surprise, at least to God. And that's what God says here. We're going to be praying. He says, he, he looks at this nation, this seemingly good nation, and he goes, I know the intent that you are developing today. He says, you got Moses and Joshua over you. They've established, or I've established their authority over you. So you're not trying to rebel anymore. You're doing your sacrifices. You're worshiping God. You're keeping the Sabbath. You're doing all the things by the book. But Lord forbid that Joshua and Moses and the elders who outlive Joshua and Moses are gone. I would suggest you read um, Joshua chapter 19 through Joshua chapter 21. Some theologians say that happened 45 years after Joshua's death. So um, that's Joshua chapter 19 verse 20 through 21. People and pe people go, how could that happen? How could the, and basically in the, in the short thing, the, the, the nation of Israel degraded to such a degree in that story that um, it makes people's ears ring. When you read that, you're like, how, why, why is that even written in the Bible? Like, why are we reading this? This is what happens when people are seemingly good on the outside, but inside hundreds and hundreds of compromises. Listen, friends, please listen. Compromises will lead us to death, inevitably. Compromises will lead us to, to fall. And listen, we will fall not by ourselves in a room. We compromise by ourselves in a room. We compromise with our friends when no one sees. You will fall in front of everyone. You will fall on your face, and it will hurt. That is, it's a commandment. And that's what the scripture says in Galatians. The scripture says, listen, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. And that, that's, that's the one thing I would like to ask us. Let's, let's not be deceived. Whatever a man sows, the same he shall reap. The same shall he reap. Let's sow blessing so that we can reap blessing. Friends, friends, listen. Let's, in our quiet places, in our, in our, in our private areas where nobody sees us, let's do things, let's invest into things that will bring dividends for the glory of God. And they will be for your own blessing. And I'm, t I'm talking about, again, let's do examples, simple things. And this is like, we we've heard this so much times, but like reading your Bible. Do you know how much dividends that brings? That brings much dividends. And I'm talking about to you, to your family, to your friends, to outer circles, and to people who don't even know you. They will be blessed. Yes, they will be blessed through your studying of scriptures, through your prayers, in the secret place. And please, friends, let us not underestimate the power of small, small compromises in our lives. They have a tendency to accumulate, and then Judges chapter 19 through 21 happens. And everyone's killing themselves. There's homosexuality. There's rape. There's all kinds of wickedness. And it's all by the law. This is where the nation is. 
And if a person's reading, like, where did, how, did, how could that happen? This is the nation of God. They were just sacrificing to God. Now they're sacrificing to demons? 45 years? Yes. Even less than 45 years. The intentions. Where are our intentions? We might be in our parents' households. We might have, you know, a good friend. or That good friends is actually good. I wouldn't, but we might be under some kind of authority that keeps us. From, from doing the things that are actually our intentions. But give us some freedom. Oh, give us some freedom. And we would show the whole world what we really, really like, what we really want, who we really are. And that's the scary thing. And that's why I believe God wants to deal with the heart. He wants to deal with the, your soul. He wants to change that. He wants to make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. And, and set you up with him in the high heavenly places and, and bless you. But in order for that to happen, you need to come to him and say, Lord, I am sorry for the, for the, for the compromises. And let Holy Spirit convict you where you are compromising. Let's pray to God. Let's ask for his blessing so that we would sacrifice to our God. Sacrifice our time. Sacrifice our energy. Sacrifice our lives, and thus bring much glory to the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Praise God, brothers and sisters. So we're going to uh, be looking in the word of God uh, for the next couple minutes before our last prayer. And uh, I believe God is uh, speaking to us today. And I'm pretty much going to be continuing what Brother Andre started, that uh, if we start making compromises, pretty soon we're going to be way down and serving the lusts and sinful nature and not serving God. And... Uh, because we make decisions every day, and that's kind of when the compromise starts. That's kind of like in those small decisions that we make, that's when the next one comes up, and so, so on it continues. And I'm not sure if any of you had to make a decision or been in a situation where regarding, depending on your decision, the, it, it was a life and death situation. It was a life and death for your family, for yourself, for people around you. I've never had to make that decision, and I don't think, I hope nobody here had to make that decision. But through the history uh, and through the Bible, we see people that had to make those decisions. And even Probably today, people serving the Lord, they have to make those decisions where it's literally life and death for them, depending on what they choose and who they want to serve. And uh, today I want to look at one, uh, one uh, uh, illustration from the Bible, one, uh, his, uh, the history of one man and the decisions he had to make uh, in the, during his time. And uh, we all know this, uh, this story from the Bible. It's uh, 
probably we've read it many times. Um, I want to read it, Second Kings. Uh, it would be chapter 18, verse 28 and 29. And this is um, the whole story is about uh, King Hezekiah and uh, when the um, when the king of Assyria came and encircled Jerusalem. And uh, starting verse 28, we read, Then Rabshakan stood and cried with a loud voice in Judea, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you from my hand. And everybody uh, that were staying, guard, uh, all the soldiers and everybody heard those words. And I think pretty much everybody kind of understood the situation they were in. They, they knew they were outnumbered. They knew they, were, they had le way less strength than the, uh, the army encircling them. I think they pretty much understood their uh, situation. They were just hoping probably for just a miracle that could save them. And uh, hearing, hearing all those, uh, this type of uh, voices being, uh, being around them and people probably laughing and just uh, looking at them as they stood uh, uh, on those, uh, on those towers it probably wasn't the easiest situation for anybody inside the city they all knew what's what was going to happen if they don't make peace with them if they don't choose to serve them if they don't choose to be enslaved by the king of assyria and we all know kind of how this story ends kind of the the great victory that uh, god uh, delivered for them but I want to go back at the beginning of this story and uh, read, the, um, just kind of refresh our memory. It would be chapter 18, verse, starting verse 2. Um, uh, this talks about the he, uh, King Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And then verse 3, he did write in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high place and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made for, uh, for uh, until those days the sons of Israel burned incense to it and it was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord. He did not depart from following him. He kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. In verse 7, And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went, he prospered. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. We see he, here like the beginning of his, um, uh, king, uh, uh, of his time on the throne. We, he, we see the blessing that God blessed him. We see he, his zeal 
of serving God. He tore down all the high altars. He tore all the pillars. And we, we can say he was a true king like his uh, forefather David. And the last verse and, uh, that I uh, kind of want to outline. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Serve him. Probably we as Christians at one point, those that serve God, at one point we rebelled against the sin. At one point we rebelled against the devil. At one point we rebelled against the old way uh, we were living. And we said we're going to serve the God, uh, the God Almighty. At one point we rebelled and we said no, we're going to throw away all the idols from our lives and serve God. And that was a great time. Maybe that was a great time in our lives. That was a great victory for us that we were on high serving God, doing all these great things. And uh, if you keep on reading, um, continue reading, and I want to read verse 13. Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, uh, uh, I'm not going to say it in English, I'm just going to say it in Russian. Sen uh, Senahirim, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. Then Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at uh, Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will bear. So the king of Assyria required of Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Hezekiah gave him all that silver which was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. At that time, Hezekiah cut off all the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorsteps which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. And this is kind of where the part where I was reading is like, what happened here? What happened to you, Hezekiah? Like you were trusting God. You, were, you rebelled against the king of Assyria. And all of a sudden you're like, I, I'm going to give wherever you want. I'm going to give you wherever you ask for me. And I was thinking, and this is kind of just the, the way I think kind of what happened there. Maybe he, he was thinking... Well, if I can give him whatever he wants, he will probably go away and not come back. He's like, at least I'm, I'm still not, we're not going to serve him. Probably it will be like a one-time payment. We'll give him whatever he wants and he will leave us in peace and we're going to just continue serving Lord. And when he asked a lot of gold uh, uh, and he probably talked to himself like, well, I cut down all those uh, because it says from the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. So probably there was a lot of gold. Maybe gold from those idols that he, he took down. Maybe there are other, uh, we see he kind of got all the gold. Maybe in his mind he was thinking, well, probably the gold, it's not, it's not benefiting us anyway. Because people make idols of it. They make different things. So probably let's just give him wherever he wants. And then, and then we'll be free to kind of continue doing our own thing, serving God. But we see that that wasn't to be the case. In verse 17, we read, Then king of Assyria sent 
uh, his servants and uh, with a large army, with a lar large army to Jerusalem. So they went up and came to Jerusalem. See, after, after this payment was made, then the king of Assyria sent his whole army. And this is, this is kind of the point I want to make. If you, make, if you think you're going to compromise one time, if you think you're going to just say, well, I'll go to this one party, where I'll drink this one time so my friends won't make fun of me, where I'll compromise on this one thing, and then after this, I will just kind of, so people don't talk about me, after that, I'll go back and do this, uh, be as before. A lot of times, like, this uh, starts with this one thing that you, you start compromising, where you're starting, where you are, you're like, well, I'm going to just devote this little time that, is, that you know it's not for the glory of God. And if you start with those kind of, your thing will be like a small payment, probably. It's like, well, you're maybe trying to justify in your mind that, well, this will be a one-time thing. From the Bible, you see, that's never a one-time uh, thing. That's never, sin is never a one-time thing. It will come back in greater force. It will come back with bigger problems for you. And I think this is uh, where King, uh, uh, King uh, Hezekiah realized that uh, king of Assyria, he is not going to back down until he's going to enslave the whole Israel again. He's not going to back down and he, until all uh, Jerusalem is going to serve king of Assyria. I think this was the point when he realized that the, all the gold and everything that they had wasn't enough for them. They wanted them, to, uh, they wanted to enslave them. They wanted them to be their slaves. And I think this is kind of when he realized that he can negotiate with him. And this is kind of, we have to realize that in our life that we can negotiate with the devil. We can negotiate with sin. We can negotiate thinking it will be like one, one, time, uh, one time deal. And then if you, if you continue reading chapter 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 19 and uh, actually chapter 18 uh, a little bit. And um, do not listen to uh, verse 31. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. And this is kind of what, uh, what he's promising. Make your peace with me and, me and come out to me and eat each of his vine and each of his fig tree and drink each of the waters of his own cisterns. And I was thinking, what's the difference between, be, be, between what they were doing and what they were going to uh, do afterwards? Kind of like you, and he was like, you're going to continue doing the same things. You're going to be doing the same things, living, uh, living and eating and doing the same thing as, but you have to make peace with me. In other words, you have to be slaves to me. In other words, you have to serve me. In other words, you have to do whatever I say you do. And then I will leave you alone. As long as you do what I tell you, then I will leave you alone. And um, 
the, the story continues on, and I want to read uh, in um, chapter 19, verse 1. And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. And this is kind of the good thing that Hezekiah realized, that he doesn't, doesn't have to deal with king of Assyria. He realized that he serves a greater king. He serves the Almighty God, that only he can help him. Only he can deliver him uh, uh, from the hands of the king of Assyria. I think he realized that only God can save them. Only God can, uh, can deliver them from this situation. And uh, you, you can read the whole story home, but uh, I want to go to verse 19. Where, where we can start with uh, verse 17. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods but the works of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray, deliver us from his hands that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me about uh, Sanhabarim, the king of Assyria, I have heard you. And this is the part I want to emphasize at the end, that Isaiah is sending a word to the king of uh, 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 King Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because you have prayed to me. And I'm, I don't know what situation in your life if you're going through right now. But the word of the God is the same today. If we pray to God, if we seek his face, the God waits for us to come in prayer. And Isaiah underlines that because you have prayed to me i have heard you because you have prayed to me about this situation that you are in right now i have heard you and in every situation in our life we have to come to god in prayer doesn't matter what's going on in our life doesn't matter how we think this situation it's out of our control but if we come to god in prayer if we, got to, if we come to God with, in prayer with all our needs, not trying to resolve it on our own, on our own not trying to do it, trying to do, think that we can agree with sin on something and it will leave us alone. That will never happen. Only God can deliver us. Only God can save us. Only God is our Redeemer. And when we come to him in prayer, when we come with him to him in prayer with all our needs, wherever we have, he will listen. He will deliver us. He will respond to us. And we're going to see the big victories that God has done throughout the Bible. And it can happen in our lives too. So this is my calling to you. Don't, don't compromise with sin. Don't agree on anything. Come to God with wherever you have, and he will deliver you. And now let's uh, bow down on our, on our knees and pray to God.